What's going on, everybody? How are you? This is Shukri Wright, host of the Shukri Podcast. Back here with you on another solo edition. This is going to be audio only. This will not be available on, on YouTube, but this is strictly audio only on iHeartRadio and wherever you get your podcasts as well. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening to this podcast, thank you for making this podcast part of your routine. Sincerely appreciate it. Let me first start off the podcast by saying that I appreciate my audience a great deal. I saw the numbers uh, courtesy of of like the Spotify um, podcast yearly things that they do every single year. And needless to say, I am genuinely touched and blown away by the numbers, by the people who continue to listen to the podcast, whether if it's the podcast itself or um like the ink like the like how do you put it like the archive there you go the archive edition of the sugar rachel on 91.5 fm wmfo on terrestrial radio in the boston area i appreciate you and like the numbers have been absolutely uh, just wonderful and amazing and <laughs> one of the things that was mentioned in the spotify rap for 2022 is that i created more than 3,700 plus minutes of content between podcasts and as well as radio. I mean, that's just amazing. And I, yeah, I'm patting myself in the back a little bit because that's something that I don't do enough of. But either way, the people that listen, I see the numbers and the people who um, enjoy the content that I create. Thank you. I sincerely want to say thank you. And to those who are in the industry who have had the privilege of bringing on the podcast thank you for being so gracious and kind of come on the podcast as well it's been absolutely a blast it's been amazing and now that we are now we're about to like basically into the final month of 2022 i think it's appropriate that i begin to like reflect on the year that has been a little bit i mean we got a lot to get into during this podcast but one of the things that i enjoy most about doing solo episodes is that it's me. I am solo and I have the entire floor to myself. I could talk about anything I want, however long I want. And it's basically you, the listener, that's, you know, eating it all up, you know? So I want to start the podcast by just reflecting because I think it's appropriate as we're now on December 1st with the new year being basically a month away that I reflect on the calendar year in 2022 I mean it's been it's been some kind of year to say the least and for me personally for those of you that follow me on social media on twitter at Shukri Writes with the blue check mark yes by twitter blue doesn't matter but it's still verified anyway those who follow me on tiktok at Shukri Writes same handle know and have witnessed whether you are rooting for me or against me the continued growth of me Shukri Rice, as a media personality radio host content creator you name it and it's and it's humbling it's very humbling to have known that tens of thousands if not more um people have viewed my content across social media and to see the work that I put out there is getting noticed and it's something that it's truly it's humbling in every sense because one of the things that I thought about as I began 2022 was how can I evolve how can I grow how can I get better because I started 2022 on a personal note moving into my into my new apartment here in Brookline and having just overcome being homeless at the end of 2021, it was something that I began to really think about things from a big picture point of view. I was thinking about my life. I was thinking about my career. Like where and how can I evolve and grow? Because I realized at the end of 2021, that you know I create content that's one thing and it's fun I love doing what I do but I'm much more than just 
being passionate about the Boston Bruins, although it is something that has caught the attention of, again, a lot of people. And I don't even think tens of thousands of people would truly do justice. Probably even more, more than I don't even realize. I wanted to also put myself out there in terms of podcast continuing to grow and getting more guests working on my craft as a podcast host as a radio host all of those things and and much more and that there were steps that I was going to have to take in order to get there and that was number one getting more comfortable in my own skin number two recognizing what are my strengths and what are my weaknesses because if you don't have the self-awareness you're not going to go very far you have to be self-aware in terms of what am I good at and what do I need to improve upon and in the journey call yourself out like hey you know what good job good job on this hey you know what you could be better at you know teasing things you could be better at being a bit more raw and unapologetic as to who you are as a person because I feel like in the age of social media it's become so easy to hide behind a computer and hide behind a phone screen you know put up a facade as to who you think who you want the world um, to think that you are that is completely contrary to who you actually are so with that being said, it was important that in 2022 that I took that next step. That I took the next step as a broadcaster, as a media personality, and everything that I've ever worked hard towards. And I feel like in more ways than one, I've taken that next step. You go back to March. And March was the month that I'm going to forever remember from this year. The month that things changed and things really went into the next level. And I'm talking about when I first was blessed with the opportunity to broadcast Brown University uh, Athletics on ESPN Plus in the spring, specifically um, college baseball. And baseball, as many of you know, is my heart and soul. Yes, I'm known for for, NH, for the Bruins and, and NHL, but specifically for the Boston Bruins. But baseball is my heart and soul. So getting that opportunity was something that truly came out of nowhere. It did. And I say all of this because when I reflect on 2022, the number one, number one word that comes to mind for me is growth. Growth. Growth in the process, growth in discovering my voice in who I am, and growth in realizing that the higher you go, you are going to encounter people that don't like where you're going. And I think that was also one of the biggest lessons of 2022 i'm gonna be honest with you i must i can sit here and talk about all of the good and it's lovely but i'm gonna also talk about the bad and the things that i've had to deal with this year on social media this isn't me crying about it this is more being open and honest about it see in late april many of you know about the the, the opening of the opening of a situation that practically came out of nowhere and the opening of the situation I'm talking about was was someone from a for basically what I described them as an outcast of unwanted individuals who did not make it in sports media in Boston who practically begun the campaign to tear me down. And at first I was pretty hurt and I was pretty angry. I'll admit that. I was. Because it was the first time in my life that 
as a growing public figure that I was dealing with people who flat out did not appreciate what I'm doing or or trying to basically like tear me down. You know, they like they post they all they found old photos of me in Rangers jersey or Devils jersey and whatnot and things of that of that nature. So for a while I re- I had to you know like I was kind of like defensive in, in a way in which I you know I made a video explaining that, like, that yeah I am a Yankee fan who also likes the Bruins the Celtics the Patriots you know I have to explain myself over and over and over again but after a while after dealing the with the trolls and the haters and all that stuff especially on on Twitter specifically that was really where it was happening the most I came to the realization that you know what screw him screw him the truth is out I I already spoke my truth I'm going to continue to do what I do if they don't like it screw him and for me and I want to say this as to someone who fully understands that I'm in the public eye now. I'm a public figure. And as someone who is, or anyone else that's out there that's listening to this podcast, who is going to be in a public figure or a public eye one way or the other, one day sooner sooner or later, understand that you're going to have people that are going to try to tear you down. It may be people that you don't know, but don't be surprised if it's people that you do know. And I think that is so important because that was the single biggest lesson in 2022 that I had to learn. And that was, you're going to have haters and you got to learn how to deal with them accordingly. Because prior to that, I didn't know how to deal with it. I'll be honest. In 2020, probably the biggest haters were probably the people that that I cut off ties with or whatever or, or whoever else. But as far as social media was concerned and being a public a public figure with a growing audience, that was a whole other experience that I had to go through and grow through as well because I understand now. That no matter what, you're gonna have people that love and adore what you do. And I can honestly tell you that the love by far outweighs the hate. By far. I walk into the greatest bar on was it Friday? I think it was Friday. To watch Team USA against England. I kid you not when I tell you that there were people that came up to me. And simply wanted to introduce themselves to me and buy me a drink. He just wanted to strike a conversation. There was someone that came up to me and just said, "Listen, I, I don't, I don't want to bother you too much, but I just simply want to say that I'm a really big fan of yours and and what you post on Twitter and stuff in terms of content." So, while there were the haters and the trolls and the people who flat out who simply did not like what I was doing and, and the fact that I was I was really building up such a, a tremendous follow there are people in the streets in real life who flat out respect the hell out of, of what I do and admire what I do like it was it's pretty humbling still even to this day that I walk around Boston or anywhere in the Boston area and someone will recognize me and they'll just say, hey, I'm a really big fan of yours. Hey, can I get a photo with you? I'm a really big fan of yours, of what you do on TikTok. Hey, are you that guy from TikTok? I'm like, yeah. Like, what? what is that guy's name? I, I don't know, but you look like that guy on, on Twitter. Like, what's the guy's name? So I say all of that to to really 
drive home a point, and that is, in 2022, it was the year of the growth. It was the year of the come up. It's just, it's just getting started. It is absolutely just getting started, God willing. There's a lot more greatness coming in 2023, God willing. Who knows what the year will hold in store? I have no idea. But I do know this. In more ways than one, 2022, I was beginning to get a, a bit of a taste of what my capabilities are. Through trial and ever, I got a full understanding as to what I'm capable of. Now, it's about executing. We're going to take a, a quick break here. But coming up next on the other side of this break, my thoughts on the Boston Bruins and do something that I've never done on a podcast before. I want to answer your questions from Twitter. Yeah. I gave an opportunity to Bruin fans on Wednesday to ask me anything related to the Boston Bruins. I want to answer their questions plus address some statements that were made on that on that tweet as well. So stick around for that. This is True Grace Podcast with your boy Shukri Writes, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to the Shukri Writes Podcast with your host Shukri Writes, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast. Appreciate you taking the time to listen to the podcast and whatnot. And listen, follow me on social media if you aren't already at Shukri Writes on Twitter, at Shukri Writes on TikTok, S Writes Radio underscore on Instagram. That's how you can follow me on social media if you aren't. For the latest updates on a new episode dropping. Or when I'm on the air for the Shukri Wright Show 91.5 FM WMFO and all that fun stuff and even for more content as it pertains to the Boston Bruins and even in sports in general so let's talk about the Boston Bruins during this segment because they have been an absolute revelation in 2022, 2023. So, on Tuesday, on Zolak and Bertrand on 98.5, the sports hub in NBC Sports Boston, there was a question that was posed as to whether if the Bruins or the Celtics' hot start was... Um, if, the, if their hot start is maintainable and or which start by the Bruins or the Celtics has been more impressive. So I called in to the show and I said for me, the answer was the Boston Bruins. That's been the most impressive, the most shocking and the most surprising. And I'm going to expand on my thoughts on that here. Because number one, the Celtics, you knew they were going to start the season like playing like their pants were on fire. Like they're going to be on an absolute mission. And so far this season, the Boston Celtics have been on an absolute mission. That's number one. Number two, I expected that despite everything that's going on with the organization, the team, that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were going to take that big step forward now that they've got the experience of going to the NBA Finals and knowing what it takes to win an NBA championship, at least seeing it up close and personal, losing to the Golden State Warriors in Game 6 on the parquet at TD Garden. They saw what it takes. Now they're hungry. And then number three, with the experience of going to the NBA Finals last season, 
the Celtics enter the season as the favorites to win the NBA title, and rightfully so. At the time, going into September, let's go back to August, they went out and they traded for Malcolm Brogdon. They signed Danilo Gallinari, and they had Ime Odoka coming back for year number two as head coach of the Boston Celtics at that time. This is before all of the turmoil that happened in and around the Boston Celtics organization. When everything came out in relations to Ime Odoka and the inappropriate relationship that he was in with a member of the Celtics organization and subsequent suspension for a year or the season-long suspension, many people thought that, oh, well, this here goes the the championship aspirations for this team and organization. I don't think they're going to win a championship now. I personally felt that this team, personnel-wise, should be more than good enough still to be able to win without Ime Odoka. Will they be as good defensively? Maybe not. But what we've learned so far about the Celtics team is that their biggest their biggest week right now is rebounding. And that's because Robert Williams still hasn't returned yet and he's getting closer because he was just playing in pickup games um, at the Red Allbox Center just a few days ago. So he's getting closer to returning. But all of that to say, I expected the Celtics to be as good and dominant as they have been. I expected it all along. But if you're going to ask me, let's say, let's rewind the clock now that we're in December. Rewind the clock to August. I'm serious. For all of you that are listening, I want you to rewind the clock all the way back to August, mid-August. You ask me in the streets or on social media, who do I see the Bruins saying that, you know what, this guy's going to be potentially an impact type of player? And better yet, where do I see the Bruins in the standings? I would have told you, maybe fighting for a wild card. They were going to suck maybe going into Christmas or be an average team at best. Because let's face it, Marshan was recovering from offseason surgery. So was Charlie McAvoy. So was Mac Rizlick. No one knew what was going to be in terms of Linus Olmark's historic start to the season. No one expected or thought that this Boston Bruins team was going to get off to a 19-3 start. Nobody. If you ask me, what do I think the team's record would be as they can just completed a, a quarter of the season now, a quarter of the regular season, I would have told you, maybe hovering about 500, maybe fighting for the last wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference, maybe. But 19-3? Like, no. No. I I did not foresee this at all. At all. That's why in more ways than one, what the Bruins have been doing through the first quarter of the season, and in the midst of this daunting seven-game stretch in which that their next four games at the time of this recording. They got Colorado. They got Vegas at home. And they travel out west to Arizona. And they got Colorado and Vegas next five games. That's five games, technically. Four of them are against two of the best teams in the league in Colorado who are the defending Stanley Cup champions and the Vegas Golden Knights who are currently employing the former head coach of the Boston Bruins in Bruce Cassidy. They're currently 3-1 in this gauntlet of a nine-game stretch. Their next game is not until Saturday against the Colorado Avalanche Saturday night at TD Garden. 
But if you're going to ask me why am I so shocked or surprised by the Bruins' historic start, I mean, 13-0, prior to their game on Saturday against the Colorado Avalanche, here's my reason why. And I'll be happy to explain to you my reasons why this has been so shocking. Number one, I didn't know or fully understand or realize just how much of a difference Pavel Zaka and, and that trade with the New Jersey Devils sending Eric Haller to the Devils um, for, uh, for Pavel Zaka was going to be, how big of a deal it would actually be for this lineup. I didn't know. I didn't know it at the time. Number two, I remember I said something over the summer about Zaka and wish that if there was going to be a place that he could finally realize his potential, I think the Bruins was going to be the place. Jersey wasn't doing it, and it wasn't conducive. Maybe it was the system. Maybe it was the coach. I don't know. But maybe the Bruins and the locker room that he's going to, that he's entering would be the place. Maybe. Just maybe. I was right. The locker room has been a big difference in terms of the growth and the maturation of Pavlozaka. And if you told me that, also, David Krejci, because I, I don't think I could sit here. Excuse me. I don't think I could sit here and tell you that I knew that David Krejci would be as impactful of a player as he's been in his return back to the United States to play for the Boston Bruins. Because I'll be forthright with you. I had questions and reservations regarding David Krejci. How is it going to be readjusting back to playing in North America again? After playing for a year in the Czech Republic. I had questions. I really honestly had questions about David Krejci. And Krejci so far has passed every single eye test and as well as every single test has come his way. Yes, he did. He did miss a few games with injury, but when he's been on the ice, he's been pretty damn not only effective, but productive as well. And that check line, that second line between Zaka, Krejci, and Bastanak, the best second line in the league. And then it's scary to think that this is a second line that hasn't even hit his it's, it's ceiling yet I don't think it has I still think that that second line could potentially be even better and then oh, speaking of Pasenak he's playing for a contract you mean to tell me that the Bruins best arguably their best goal scorer is not going to be playing motivated this year come on and even as of right now, he still doesn't have a new contract as of yet. Come on. There was very little doubt in my mind that Pasenak was going to come out and play motivated. He has so far. He's among the league leaders of points scored. But also, I also will add this as well. I don't think many people truthfully knew that Lennis Olmark was going to be Tim Thomas-esque to begin the year. I don't I didn't see that coming at all. Truthfully. I really didn't. And what's blown me personally away in all of this is that this is a this is a story in which that I think it deserves a lot of talk and discussion in and around the NHL. And I'm sure that there has been. But shout out to Ty Anderson of 985 the Sports Hub. Because I believe it, I remember if my memory serves me correctly, I saw something that he posted on Twitter not long ago. 
is basically comparing numbers of what Linus Olmark has been doing this season in comparison to where Tim Thomas was numbers wise during the 2010-2011 Stanley Cup Championship season for the Bruins they're not that far off and that's that's the part that's truly mind blowing and even if you watch the games and you don't necessarily need to look at the numbers but numbers obviously are there to help but if you watch the games it's very fair to make that assessment of, man this has been like Tim Thomas-esque in terms of whenever Elmark has been in net he's been dominant he's had very few and far and in between hiccups this season in between the pipes that's how good he's been is that an accident? Not necessarily. And you know what's funny? I had this thought earlier before I recorded this podcast. And Jeremy Swayman was a name that came up because he didn't have the best of starts to begin the season. But ever since he came back from injury, he's had a 926 save percentage. Pretty damn good if you ask me. This was the Jeremy Swayman that people saw in 2021. This was the Jeremy Swayman that people were expecting or hoping would be the guy. But I don't think anybody could have foreseen just how dominant and how good Linus Olmark has been. And right now, he's certainly playing like a Vizna Trophy finalist. In the bare minimum, if anything, giving you my unbiased opinion, I think he should win the the Vesna Trophy if, in fact, he continues to play that he's been playing, giving the Bruins a chance to win every single night. Absolutely. But we'll we'll find out more once the um, the playoffs comes around and whatnot. And also another thing I look at in terms of this team. In terms of its historic start, 13-0 at home, 6-3 on the road. And here's what's wild. They've had terrible luck in Ontario this season. Two of the three losses have come in Ontario. One was against the Ottawa Senators. And that was a game that, um, if I remember correctly, yeah, Jeremy Swimming did not play well at all, at all in that game. And then number two... It was the game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. It was, the, it was the day after the Bruins had signed Mitchell Miller. More on that later. And you could pretty much say that that team was basically in a cloud that afternoon and evening in Toronto. That's very fair to say that. And in the third loss, as we all know, that was when he went down to Florida on that brief road trip and they lost to the Panthers in Sunrise, Florida so it was just an off night, it was just not their night you could expect that over the course of an 82 game season but if we're going to be honest make no mistake, this start by the Boston Bruins 19-3 through 22 games I didn't see it coming nobody saw it coming you could be the most hardcore Bruin fans, but there's no way in hell that you could sit here and tell me with a straight face that you that you know this team was going to be this good and this deep. There's no way. I wouldn't buy it. So we're going to step aside and take a quick break here. When we return, we are going to... When I say we, I mean I. I'm going to answer your Twitter thoughts or questions that you left for me on Twitter. So stick around for that. You're listening to the Shukri's podcast, Shukri Writes on iHeartRadio and wherever you get your podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Shukri's podcast. Shukri Writes, the host is here with you as... I am going to do something I have never, ever done before on any of my podcasts since it began 
little more than two and a half years ago. Can't believe it's about to be three years come March um, since the beginning of the Sugar Rights Podcast. So I'm answering questions from Twitter for people that have submitted, and people will have the opportunity to hear their the answer to the questions that they have submitted. So one of them I'll address just very quickly. And this was a question I thought that was interesting in itself for a variety of reasons. I'll just get to one of them and just make this make this one out, put this one out there. The reason why this question I thought it was interesting asked, and the question that was asked was from Craig at Craig Chison. That's his handle on Twitter. He asked me, Am I still mad about the Mitchell Miller signing? Well, the answer to that is yes. Like, just because I haven't talked about it or haven't posted a video about it doesn't mean that, that like, oh, I've suddenly have forgotten about that whole thing and, and that whole fiasco that was. I just think that question in itself is, I don't know, it just had some really weird-ass vibes about it. Like, because I don't talk about it suddenly, it's not in the forefront of my mind. Like, no, I just think that is just really weird. But thank you for asking, though. Because, yeah, I'm still pretty fucking pissed off about that. And I don't think anybody should ever forget that either, no matter what the Bruins do this season. Next question comes from Mark Black. This is at real Mark Black on Twitter. He tweeted at me asking if I have any thoughts or news on the Bruins prospect pool. I'd love to hear them. Also, I'm not in favor of trading a number one for a rental, even if it's Patrick Kane. Your thoughts. All right, let's start from the beginning. Um, I don't have a whole lot of thoughts or news on the Bruins prospect pool. I really don't. Except Fabian Lysel is as dynamic as advertised down in the minors right now. And he is going to be what everybody expects him to be a stud. I, I certainly expect that he's going to be a stud when he finally gets his full-time NHL opportunity. But outside of that, or even Mason Lowry, um, not really a whole lot right now. But the second part of your tweet, I thoughts on trading a number one pick for a rental that would be Patrick Kane. Let me make this very um, clear. Let me start from the, the beginning. Some of you know, and those who follow me on Twitter know this, I actually do support the Boston Bruins trading for Patrick Kane should he make his trade request public or known to the Chicago Blackhawks on front office saying, hey, thank you for for the unbelievable years in Chicago for the last 15 years, but I'm I'm asking for a trade. It wouldn't surprise me. But the reason why I do think that this could be really, and I mean genuinely interesting, and I'm in favor of it, is because if there was ever a year that you need to be all in, is this year. With this group and this team and the way that things have gone and you talk about in terms of like for example you get a guy like Patrick King this team is so deep that I'm not even entirely sure like where would you put him at this point some were even saying and I've seen this on Twitter on Bruins Twitter specifically well if that would have happened why not just put Pasta in the back on that top line and, I, and to that I would say no don't do it. Keep with the idea of what Jim Montgomery is doing, and that is spread out your offense. Put guys on different lines. Like Taylor Hall 
and the and the Bruins win over the Tampa Bay Lightning on Tuesday night, he was playing on the third line. And as and not many teams in the NHL could really make such a, a claim that their third line may arguably be among the absolute best in the league. When you have Charlie Coyle, who is probably the best third line center in the league. And as far as Kane, like you may have to put him on that third line. That's how deep this team is. And that's a great problem to have. Because I would hate for this offense to go into some sort of a slump once the Stanley Cup playoffs begin. I really would hate that. But this team is not a it's not a one-line team. It hasn't been a one-line team for like a good couple of years now. But especially this year. I don't think it would take a, a number one pick for the Bruins to acquire Patrick Kane. I'm serious. It's not going to take that. And, and if Chicago wants a first-round draft pick, if you're the Boston Bruins, you say no. I personally wouldn't even trade that because you need a, a first-round draft pick. And I know many of you are probably th- are thinking, well, he doesn't draft well, so why does it matter? Actually, one of these years, it actually freaking matters. This draft, it matters because you need to start thinking about life post-Bergeron and Krejci. That's real. You have to. So that is my thoughts on Patrick Kane and the the, the notion of trading a number one pick for Patrick Kane. I, w- I would trade for Patrick Kane, but I would not trade a number one pick if that is the cost. And absolutely not. This one is from Kieran Foran at Kieran Kieran Nursrex. I hope I said that right. It's on Twitter. Riley, he's talking about Mike Riley. Craig Smith and the odd men out of the lineup. We know the playoffs will will incur injuries, and we know we need to get cap compliant. What avenues the bees can actually get returns for these guys, or and or keep them without sacrificing the future or losing too much depth pre-playoffs? That's a great question. I personally think that if you are going to clear up cap space. I do believe you're going to have to trade both of both of those guys. You're going to have to. And especially Craig Smith, where I look up and down this lineup and I'm like, to be honest with you, I'm not even sure if he still really has a role on this team. To be to be frank, I, I, I started I'm starting to wonder that I'm not saying that oh he's a bum or he sucks. No. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you look up and down the just the lines and who who the Bruins have. I'm like, does he still really have a role? I don't think so. Mike Riley is really just simply a casualty of the salary cap. And I mean that. Like, because I like the guy. I like the player. But Bruins have to make really tough decisions. And they have to get cap compliant sooner rather than later. And the thing is going to become for the Bruins, can they find a trade partner who is willing to, you know, make moves? That's willing to, you know, like take on guys like Mike Riley and Craig Smith, as, as mentioned in the tweet from, from Kieran Foran. The next one. This one is from Roscoe, Roscoe Sports, on Twitter. While the roster is extremely talented, do you attribute Vegas' early success to Bruce Cassidy? And if so, did Boston not work due to chemistry? That's an interesting question. Well, I will attribute it to Bruce Cassidy being a new voice. And we all know Bruce Cassidy and his temperament, when he, especially given that he was the head coach of the Boston Bruins for, what, five years, give or take? We know who Cassidy is. And him getting the job with the Vegas Golden Knights was no surprise whatsoever. And you've seen the success in terms of what the Golden Knights are able to do and capable of doing. It's definitely attributed to Bruce Cassidy and the system that he likes to play. 
the reason why it didn't work in Boston with the Bruins was not because of lack of chemistry. I think the front office realized that they needed to absolutely get a new voice in that locker room because Cassidy's voice may have just gone stale. It happens all the time in sports, unfortunately. But it, there, there are obviously like rules that are exceptions or, and, or you know the thing that there are exceptions to the rule in sports when it comes to that. But make no mistake, I do think that um, that the Bruins were wrong in firing him. But as I said the other day, I do think that the Bruins definitely made the right decision in hiring Jim Montgomery. And the last one I just want to make just make reference to and this started a very interesting conversation on Twitter is my homegirl Marissa her Twitter is your, your local Alexis Rose at Marissa she, she's one of my loyal followers on Twitter Bruins need not to win this President's Trophy I don't care how good they are that thing is cursed I created a whole a whole separate tweet basically like screenshotting that particular tweet mentioning that very point and she's right I've made a tweet about this before and I want to start by saying that what I said earlier is spot on truth there hasn't been a president trophy winning team over the course of 82 games 82 full games season to have gone on to win the Stanley Cup since the 2007-2008 Detroit Red Wings. They were the last team to do it. There's a reason why. There's a reason why it is hard. Now, obviously, the last team to win the President's Trophy and win the Stanley Cup was the, was the 2013 Blackhawks. And again, this is no disrespect to what they accomplished. But that was over the course of a 48-game strike-shortened season. I mentioned the full the full 82-game season because that is the length of an NHL regular season, 82 games. So, with that being said, I that topic brought up uh, brought up a real interesting litany of responses of. Oh, how could you root for the Bruins to lose? I'm not rooting for the Bruins to lose. By any stretch of the imagination. I want them to win. I want them to be the best team in the NHL. However, I think this is something that Bruin fans should actually fucking know all too well. The President's Trophy is fucking cursed. It is cursed. You want to know what's funny, and I don't mean this in a literal sense, but like, just not, like, I guess figuratively speaking, the last two times the Boston Bruins won the President's Trophy, 2013-14 season, 2019-2020 regular season, that was cut short due to due the coronavirus pandemic, both times the team lost in the second round. So, I know the Bruins haven't they haven't hit thirty games yet, not yet. But by the time we get to around Christmas, the Bruins are going to have played close to thirty games, thirty regular season games, ish. And by that point, that's when you could really bring up that conversation in terms of, hey. Um, so, about that, about that team who, like, who, who wins the President's Trophy, yeah, you don't want it to be the Boston Bruins. But if it so happens to the Bruins, okay, I hope, and I hope with every fiber of my being, that the Bruins do win the Stanley Cup. But history has not favored the President's Trophy winning teams to win the Stanley Cup in recent memory. It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened in the NHL in 10 years. 
it hasn't happened over the course of a full regular season in 15 years. Do you not understand just how difficult that is? Or as what Marissa said, it is cursed and she's right. She's absolutely freaking right. Here's what's interesting. The last time before the 07-08 Red Wings that the President's Trophy team from that regular season would go on to win the Cup, there was two other instances. There was the 2000-2001 Colorado Avalanche team. They won it all. That was Ray Borg. Winning for Ray Borg. And then 2001-2002 Detroit Red Wings. And that team, you could legitimately make a case as that team being among the all-time great Stanley Cup winning teams ever. Because that team was loaded with Hall of Famers like, I think for today's standards, you just wouldn't even believe. I'll remind you exactly who was, who was on that team. Steve Yeiserman, Nick Lidstrom, Pavel Datsuk was a rookie. Um... And I'm trying to remember. Oh, oh yeah, Brett Hall was on that team as well. Darren McCarty. Like, oh, Darren McCarty's not a Hall of Famer, but he but he's a he's a legend in his own right. But man, I can go on and on and on. And, and of course, Igor Larionov. I can't forget about him. But you get the point. And the point is, teams that win the President's Trophy don't often go on to win the Stanley Cup. And that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Shook Race Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed producing and creating this episode for you. This is Shukri Writes. Follow me on social media and on Twitter at Shukri Writes. Same thing on TikTok at Shukri Writes as well. I'll talk to you again next time. Holla at your boy on social media. Or if you see me walking around the streets of Boston, come holler at me. Let's have a talk. Talk to you again next time. Peace.